Uh, we are studying the Gospel of John, and thus far we have studied just the prologue, which is the section from chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. And we have learned that the focus of the prologue is to introduce the person of Jesus Christ. And John uses the whole theology of Logos uh, as a way of articulating the fact that Jesus is none other than the Son of God. Jesus himself is God, but he's the second person of the Trinity. That he is the perfect expression and representation of God. 우리가 지금까지 서원을 공부를 했는데요. 복음, 요한복음서에서. 그 서원의 가장 주된 주제가 로고스입니다. 로고스는 하나님의 아들, 예수 그리스도를 의미하는데 이 로고스의 특징이 무엇이냐면 하나님을 완벽하게 표현하시고 대표하신 분이라는 것입니다. So it is through the logos that God creates the world and it is through logos that God saves the world when the world has fallen into sin. 로고스를 통해서 세상을 창조하셨고 로고스를 통해서 세상을 구속하신다는 것입니다. And John begins by saying in the beginning was the word or the logos and the logos was with God logos was God and then later in verse 14 he says the word or the logos became flesh. He became incarnated. He took on the human form. Because apart from Jesus Christ, the Logos, becoming human like us, He cannot save us. God doesn't just save us. God has to go through the whole procedure of dealing with the sin, paying the penalty for the sin, allowing Jesus to die on the cross for that sin, and only way for Jesus to die on the cross is for him to come as a human being and to live that life until the time of his death. So we have covered all of these uh, contents at the very beginning section. Now following verse 18, in the text that we are about to read today, Apostle John is establishing the testimony or the witnesses regarding Jesus Christ. And he does it in several ways. First of all, he takes these individuals and say they actually witness Jesus Christ and he's using their testimonies. Also, he looks at the works of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, signs and wonders, and says, see, all of these point to Jesus and witness to Jesus. He also takes the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and say, this is what Jesus is talking about. And finally, he talks about the Holy Spirit, who witnesses to Jesus and points the way to Jesus. And the very first witness he establishes is none other than another John. And this is not the Apostle John, the author, but this is the prophet John, John the Baptist. 그래서 세례 요한을 등장하게 하고 이 텍스트에 나오는 세례 요한의 그 테스트모니를 통해서 그 증언을 통해서 예수 그리스도가 
하나님의 아들이라는 것을 또 확증하는 것입니다. 나우 we want to uh, before we read the text, I want to share with you that the context for this text is the Jewish leaders sending their representatives, their priests and the Levites, and later even the Pharisees come and they are inquiring of Jesus. They're asking questions, probing. But they don't do it directly to Jesus yet. They do it in an indirect way to John, John the Baptist. 이 유대교에 관련된 영적 지도자들이 세례 요한을 찾아와서 질문합니다. 세례 요한에 대한 정체성을 질문합니다. 세례 요한이 답변합니다. 그 답변 가운데서 자기의 정체성을 드러내는 것보다 되레 메시아 되는 예수님의 정체성을 드러내는 이 내용입니다. So let us uh, read the text. From verses 19 to uh, 23 first. And then we'll continue to move on all the way to verse 34. Let's read this out loud together. In English first and then in Korean. He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. 한국어를 읽겠습니다. 유대인들이 예루살렘에서 제스장들과 레위인들을 요한에게 보내어 네가 누구냐 물을 때에 요한의 증언이 이러하니라 요한이 드러내어 말하고 숨기지 아니하니 드러내어 하는 말이 나는 그리스도가 아니라 한데 또 묻되 그러면 누구냐 네가 엘리아냐 이르되 나는 아니라 또 묻되 네가 그 선지자냐 대답하되 아니라 또 말하되 누구냐 우리를 보낸 이들에게 대답하게 하라 너는 네게 대하여 무엇이라 하느냐 이르되 나는 선지자 이사의 말과 같이 주의 길을 곱게 하라고 광야에서 외치는 자의 소리로다 하니라. It's interesting that the, these Jewish leaders, Jewish religious leaders, in inquiring about John the Baptist's identity, mentioned only the titles that has to do with, have to do with power and authority. That's what they were interested in. What kind of power, what kind of authority do you have? What kind of name and fame do you have? And consider these titles that they were mentioning. Messiah, Elijah the prophet, the mighty powerful prophet in the Old Testament, and the prophet, and I'll explain this in a little while. All of these are titles that's related to power. Now, I find it very similar here in Korea, especially, when people ask for your identity, they want to know basically how powerful you are. What kind of title do you have? Are you a doctor? Huh? 
Are you, uh, you know, are you uh, some great chairman of the board? Are you the director? Are you the president? And if you can't quite answer in the affirmative, then they tend to look down on you. The same thing in Jesus' days. They want you to know who this John the Baptist was, who was crying out and proclaiming the message about the Messiah. And so they want you to know whether he was the Messiah, he was Elijah, or the prophet. Now, you may not know the context to this, so I'm going to give you a short lesson as to these titles. First of all, let's consider the title Mes Messiah or Messiah. In Hebrew, it's Mashiach. Could you repeat after me? Mashiach. Mashiach. And in Greek, it's Christos. Okay? The literal meaning of Mashiach or Christos is anointed one. 기름 부음을 받은 자. 이 뜻입니다. Anointed one. And there are many scriptures that uh, alludes to this concept of messiahship, but the representative verse is found in Daniel 9, verse 25. Daniel 9, And I'm not going to try to interpret this for you, but just know that this is referring to the Messiah. And the prophecy goes such as this. No one understand this from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. There will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. And there's all this symbolism that the Jews since have been trying to figure out as to when does this anointed one, the Messiah, when does he emerge? When does he come under scene? And you need to understand, by the time that Jesus came on the scene in the first century, the Jews and the Palestine were under the rulership of the Romans. Roma 제국에 억압을 당하고 있었던 그 현실이 바로 유대인들의 현실이었습니다. 그래서 그 당시에 메시아를 기대한다는 것은 그 메시아가 어떠한 정치적인 어떤 권력을 가진 자. 그래서 이들을 자유케 해주고 해방시켜주고 로마 제국을 물리치는 그런 분이어야 된다고 생각했습니다. And they interpreted it this way. And they were expecting now John the Baptist because he's the one person who is voicing it the loudest. They thought, John, are you saying that you are the Messiah? Is that what you're saying? And what was the response of John? He confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. You know, John the Baptist is a very great figure. He is an amazing, amazing figure. Jesus said he's the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. He said that. Because he was nearer to him and pointing directly to Jesus himself. And yet, John the Baptist clearly said, I am not the Messiah. 오늘 한국에 자기가 메시아라고 자칭하는 사람들이 많습니다. There are a lot of people going around even here in Korea, and many in America too, and all over the world. And they claim that they are Messiah. We see that they're just simple, frail human beings with so much flaws, and yet they have the audacity to say they are Messiah. You know, I have not studied the psychology of Messiahship, but I know one thing, they did not start out that way. I don't think any baby born says, 
I am the Messiah. I am the chosen one. I am the one who is going to save the world. I don't think any child is born that way or grows up that way. But when a child grows up and continues to receive the type of treatment and adoration and is exalted and lifted up high in the position of authority or leadership, sometimes that person can become deluded into thinking maybe I'm much more than what I thought I was. And that's how they get deluded into thinking that they are messiahs. And so we have hundreds of false messiahs here in Korea. And I'm sure there are hundreds and thousands all over the world. But John the Baptist clearly says, I am not the messiah. So they try another title. Well, if you're not the messiah, then are you Elijah? Elijah who is to come right before the messiah because according to the last book of the Old Testament, in the last chapter, in the last verse, it talks about the prophet Elijah who will come to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And as you know in the Old Testament that Elijah, according to the text, he never experienced death. He was lifted up by the whirlwind, the chariot of fire, and was lifted up to heaven. So the Jews had this notion that Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he'll come back in person before the coming of the Messiah. And here's the text in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 to 6. 한번 읽어볼까요, 같이? See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Now, I must say, Jesus does refer to John the Baptist as the Elijah type to come. But here, John disclaims that. Why? Because again, Elijah represents power and great judgment and an ability that is supernatural. And so he denies that. He says, no, I'm not Messiah. Unless the Messiah himself wants to attribute me to you know, Elijah, but I am not Elijah, he says. Another title that they refer to is the title of the prophet. And most Jews, and Jewish leaders especially, they knew that this was referring to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, and also verse 18. 신명기 18장, 15절과 18절에 이 선지자를 언급합니다. Let's read this in English. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. This is Moses talking to the people. From among you, from your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. And then God says to Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. You see, Moses was the prototype of the prophethood in history of Israel. He was perhaps the greatest prophet of them all. Him and Elijah, they were outstanding amongst the prophets. Now, the revelation that Moses got was that he's not the only prophet. After him will come other prophets. And so all throughout the history of Israel, these prophetic figures who were emerging and other people who were witnessing what was happening in history, they were saying, 
Perhaps this is the prophet that Moses was talking about. Perhaps this is the prophet that Moses was talking about. And so they had this tradition, the prophet will emerge, whoever that may be. And John denies this title as well. Because again, this is title of great fame. Title which would just attract or attract and draw the crowd. No, that's not the focus. This is what John the Baptist is saying. Well, then what is the title that he chooses? Well, the title he chooses is found in verse 23. He says, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. And this is referring to, in Isaiah chapter 43, this is referring to the concept of the servant of the Lord. Now, this is a heavy theology. People have written doctoral dissertation on this concept called the, the servant of the Lord. But what Isaiah says in chapters 40 to 55 is that in this entire section devoted to the concept of the servant of the Lord, he's saying that there will come a figure who's going to be this great messianic figure, but he will operate with the spirit of servanthood. And in that prophecy about this person who will come, there's this saying, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. And John the Baptist embraces this concept. No title, but if I am a, to embrace the title, I will embrace the title of a servant. 나는 종의 불구한 사람입니다. 나에겐 대단한 메시아라는 타이틀 아니고 말이죠. 나에게는 무슨 엘리야라는 타이틀도 아니고 모세 타입의 선지자도 아니고 나는 오로지 종이로서이다. 그리고 종으로서 나의 하는 역할을 더욱더 드러내기를 원하지 나의 퍼스널리티나 나의 정체성을 드러내고 싶지 않다는 거예요. 내가 드러내고 싶은 것은 오직 소리로 외치는 거예요. 음성으로 그를 표시하고 싶다는 것입니다. You know, I think we need to learn from John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist is the greatest of all the prophets according to Jesus Christ. And yet, what is his understanding of his identity? Today, we are all obsessed with identity. Everybody wants to know how significant they are, how great they are, how wonderful they are. They want to be told and pampered as to how great they are. Me too. I love it when people tell me, you're a great preacher or you're a great uh, theologian or a great professor or whatever. No one says that, but <laughs> if, if one says that, I, hmm, wow, do you really? We have this problem with ego. And that ego prevents us from witnessing to Jesus Christ in the long run. Even the ministers of the gospel in the churches of Jesus Christ. We set ourselves up more than Jesus Christ. Why? Because the pastor's personality should be more radiating than the personality of Jesus Christ. Pastor's uh, pedigree Pastors' uh, education and spiritual background and experiences, these are the ones that are upheld. But where's Jesus? Each time pastor gains extra points, Jesus, his glory and his 
radiating power and influence diminishes. I really believe this. And I personally am also convicted by this. Have I been a voice, just a voice, or have I been more Daniel Kim? Tagging along Jesus Christ. No, I think we should learn from John the Baptist. We should all be just voices, witnesses, servants who will let the radiating glory of Jesus shine for itself. And we be just channels. We be just means and instruments by which Jesus will shine. Hallelujah. Amen. This is what John the Baptist is saying. Now, these religious rulers, they're not getting anywhere in terms of identity. He's just keep on pointing to this someone who, other than him being the Messiah. So now they are questioning. And now these are the Pharisees. These are lay leaders who happen to be very religious. They are perhaps most religiously devout people in Israel. And uh, they want to ask him, why are you practicing this mode of baptism? What is, why this modus operandi of baptism? Where 너는 세례를 주느냐? 당신 메시아가 아닌데 왜 감히 세례를 주느냐 하면서 질문합니다. Let's look at this section starting with verse 24 all the way to verse 30. Let's read this out loud together. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of those sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. 이제 한국어로. 그들은 바리새인들이 보낸 자라. 또 물어 이르되, 네가 만일 그리스도도 아니요, 엘리야도 아니고, 그 선지자도 아닐진데 어찌하여 세례를 베푸느냐? 요한이 대답하되, 나는 물로 세례를 베풀거니와 너희 가운데 너희가 알지 못하는 한 사람이 섰으니 곧내 뒤에 오시는 그이라. 나는 그의 신발끈을 풀기도 감당하지 못하겠노라 하더라. 이 일은 요한이 세례 베풀던 곳 요단강 건너편 베다니에서 일어난 일입니다. 이튿날 요한이 예수께서 자기에게 나오심을 보고 이르되 보라 세상 죄를 지고 가는 하나님의 어린 양이로다. 내가 전에 말하기를 내 뒤에 오는 사람이 있는데 나보다 앞선 것은 그가 나보다 먼저 계심이라 한 것이 이 사람을 가리킴이라. What was John's response to their questions? Why are you baptizing? And you know what he said? I am baptizing, but I'm only baptizing in water. That's all I'm doing. I'm just going through the formality. How many of you realize that water baptism is just a formality? It does not have some kind of power, some kind of supernatural charging that causes something to happen. It's just a formality. It's a ritual. Now, we just had a, a baptismal ceremony uh, about a month ago. 
But this baptism, water baptism, is different. Because this water baptism happened after these two sisters accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And this is as a sign or symbol, as a confession of their faith. But what John the Baptist was doing was before anyone would encounter the Messiah. And this water baptism was a way of preparing the people. Let's look at a text from uh, one of the synoptic gospels. And I use the word synoptic because it's a technical term to say from the similar perspective. That is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Similar perspective, distinct from John's perspective. And the representative uh, text is in Mark chapter 1, verse 4. And it reads, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You see, the water baptism is for those people who are willing to repent of their sins. Because they are coming to realize, I'm a sinner. I don't know what to do about this sin and guilt and shame. I want to do something about it, so I come as a sign of repentance that is turning away from sin. Now I need forgiveness for my sins. They're crying out when they're saying, Oh Lord, see my action of coming to you and dipping myself in the river. And that John the Baptist is calling us to really change our ways and then he will give us baptism. But even here, John is saying, I don't have any power. I'm just preparing the people for the coming of the Lord. I'm just an usher. I'm just a channel. I'm just a voice. I'm just a facilitator. And then he makes this comparison, which is an amazing comparison. He says, I baptize you with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am now worthy to untie. Have you ever untied anyone's sandals? Have, have you done that as a gesture of humility? I'm sure we have, but in the olden days, no disciple would even touch the sandals of his master. That was, not, that was prohibited by the rabbi's tradition. Because disciples should humble themselves to a degree, but to humble themselves to a degree of touching the dirty sandals, that's the work of a slave. So what is John the Baptist saying? He's saying, I don't care what people think of me. I'm going to put myself as the lowest of the lowest to demean myself in order to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Later we see John saying, he must increase in order for that to happen, I must decrease. Okay. Again, he's backing up his statement. I'm just a voice. I'm just a wind whirling. As long as you get the point that this is all pointing to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, then I've done my work. I've done my job. And then he says in verse 30, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. You know, I've done some stage productions. I've done some theater uh, choreography. Uh, I've had a, a wonderful privilege of doing that. 
And you know, before the main scene comes on, we always have some kind of prelude. 여러분 극장에 가보시면 아시겠지만 또 어떤 때 무슨 쇼나 콘서트 가면 아시겠지만 메인 스타리 등장하기 전에 항상 그좀덜된 사람들이 등장해요. 슈퍼스타리 있으면 그냥 일반 스타들이 등장하는 거예요. 대 아이돌이 등장하기 전에 일반 아이돌들이 등장한단 말이죠. 그렇죠? And they they put on the show all of that all of that to what prepare psych people up for the exciting emergence of the star. This is exactly what John is doing. He's prepping up the people. And that's all we are supposed to do when we reach out to people. You know? Instead of us prepping ourselves up, we prep people up, psych them up, so that they can focus on Jesus. 예수님께 초청이 가도록 모든 것을 그쪽으로 동원하는 것입니다. And this is what John the Baptist was so good at doing. And then he says in verse 29, this great statement, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 보라, 세상죄를 지고 가는 하나님의 어린 양이로다. Why did John say this? After he defends himself and says, I'm just, um, I'm just baptizing in water. You know, This one who is so much greater than me, he's coming. By the way, he's the Lamb. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why did he say that? See, this is what John's been doing all along. He's been performing baptism for those people who are repentant, who are genuine in their hearts, who want to turn away from their sinful ways, and they're crying out, how can we be washed of our sins, washed of our guilt? How can we have a fresh new life? And John is saying, I have no power for that. You have to wait until the Messiah appears. And that Messiah is the one who is the Lamb of God, who takes away your sins. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, lambs were slaughtered. Their blood was shed. Sometimes they were burnt up and roasted. And sometimes there's one symbolic gesture where a scapegoat, a goat, was the guilt of the people were laid on the head of the goat and the goat would go into the wilderness and could become a victim of some wild animal. And all these images, John put together and says, all that of the Old Testament has been now fulfilled in this person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But who doesn't come as this valiant warrior, but as a sacrificial lamb? Jesus comes to die and to suffer and to shed his blood to take on your guilt and shame, the penalties for your sins, here, place them all on himself. 세상에는 모든 죄를 대신 짊어가시고, 그 죄값을 피로 지불하시고, 그 예전에 구약의 
그 수많은 양들이 피를 흘렸는데 그것이 이 메시를 통해서 이제 전적으로 포스어멘트가 된다는 것을 선포하는 것입니다. That's why he's saying, look, the Lamb of God. Here, the important word is not just the Lamb of God. He's saying, look, 보라. You see? With the work of a witness, work of a servant, work of a voice, is simply to say, see, look at him. Don't look at me. I wish that we can all live like that as witnesses. Instead of drawing people, look at me. Oh, you know, God bless me so much. Look at the money I have. Look at the prestige I have. Oh, look at the knowledge I have. Look at the degrees I have. No. Look at him. Focus on Jesus. I hope that we can say that. Amen. Now, interesting, when we get to uh, verse um, 30, 31, let's look at this. Jesus says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Now we see why he's been doing all this baptism all along. He's preparing people, but also it is through that baptism ceremony that Jesus will be identified because Jesus will walk in amongst the crowd. Well, he's baptizing. He didn't, he didn't know who's going to be the Messiah. Well, he knew this person of Jesus because if you read the Gospel of Luke, we find that his mother, John the Baptist's mother, and the mother of Jesus, Mary, were cousins. So they were relatives. So he must have known the person of Jesus but what he's saying is, I didn't know he was the Messiah. I wasn't sure he was the Messiah. Maybe there was this suspicion. He could be Messiah. I hear my mom talking about, uh, my aunt Mary talking about her son, but who can be sure? But he received the clear revelation from God that through his baptismal act, the Messiah will be identified. 여러분, 어떤 데 우리가 예수님을 발견하기 위해서는 우리에게 주어진 일 하나님이 넌 이걸 하라 교회에서 목회를 하라 어? 직장에서 열심히 일을 하라 비즈니스 하는데 열심히 열심히 투자를 하라 성교주에서 열심히 하라 Whatever your mode of operation may be If the Lord says I'm going to show myself appear myself right there in that place, that arena of your activity then we should take that seriously because God doesn't seem to work in vacuum. Have you ever discovered that? 하나님은 그냥 엉뚱하게 붕떠 있는 그런 어떤 차원에서 역사하지 아니하세요. 정말 리얼리티의 그라운딩된 상태에서 우리의 역사적인 이벤트 가운데서 주님이 나타내 주신단 말이에요. But John the Baptist, what did he do? He, you know, ever since he was young, his parents pitched the tent away from the society, out in the wilderness. Think about a little kid. And he, it says that he ate locusts and honey and dressed up with camel skin. That is the rough side inside. So, you know, he was an aesthetic. He was a nomadic. He was a wild man with honey and locust smell in his breath. He was raised up that way. And the only thing he did was basically doing baptism because God told me that the Messiah is going to appear one day and he's baptizing each person. Where's the Messiah? Where's the Messiah? Where's the Messiah? 
And then the amazing thing happened, according to John, his testimony. Look at verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. He was performing this baptism and other gospels talk about Jesus being in the crowd and saying, you baptize me. And John, they had a little argument. Oh, no, you should baptize me. I think you're greater than me. Maybe you are. No, you baptize me. And then you'll see what happens. Because in that moment of baptism, what John witnessed was the Spirit coming down from heaven like a dove in an in a almost manifested form and remaining on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. You know what is the uniqueness of what John witnessed about the Spirit coming down upon Jesus? You see, in the Old Testament times, Spirit did come down. There's what we call spiritual anointing of the Holy Spirit coming upon people. But never did the Spirit just remain on that person. 그 안에 계속 거하는 거예요. 그 사람. 그 사람에게 오고 가고 왔다가 순간에 역사하시고 그 다음 떠나시고 그게 아니라 그 안에 잠재되어 있는 거예요. This is the uniqueness about Jesus' baptism. The Spirit came and Spirit dwelt on Him. Spirit did not leave Jesus. And this has implications for us in the future. Because whatever Jesus experiences in His baptism, remember, His baptism was in identification with us. And if in His baptism the Spirit came descending and then dwelling, then we in Union with Christ, we can experience the same thing. And then here, John says, the final verse, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. 우리 한번 크게, 큰 목소리로 우리 한번 선포해 봅시다. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. 내가 보고 그가 하나님의 아들이심을 증언하였노라. Why is it so significant that he uses the title, the Son of God, right here at the point when he's talking about spirit baptism? Because this is exactly what John heard and the people, some people who were receptive, heard a voice from heaven saying in other Gospels, this is my Son whom I love, I am well. You see, when Jesus was baptized in the water, heaven opened up and the Spirit of God descended upon him in a form like a dove. And according to John, it remained on him, it dwelt in him. And then the voice of the Father is heard. Luke and Mark remembers it as Jesus hearing it, but according to Matthew, some other people also heard it. John the Baptist also heard that voice. And this voice was a witness of the Father to those who would have the ears to hear. And he says, this is my son whom I love. I am well pleased with him. It confirms his sonship. It confirms his sonship. It is time for me to now close up my message. I get the signal. 
Yes, it's, uh, it's kind of, the message gets kind of long because each time we're trying to talk about the amazing depth and profundity that has to do with the identity of Jesus Christ. How can you do that in 30 minutes? How can you do that in 40 minutes? But I must, because I promised I would. Well, let me wrap it up. The relevance of this text is this. What we have studied in the prologue, where he says in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the only begotten, who is in the Father's bosom, has made him known. This is the Son of God. He's the one who reveals the Father to us. But his purpose is this, in verses 12 to 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So how can we be born of God? Let me give you three things that we can draw from the lessons of today's message. First, you must behold the Lamb of God. And that is the blood shedding. Lamb of God hanging on the cross for our sins. That has to be very clear. You must keep your focus on that Jesus Christ. You must receive Him as the Son of God. You must receive Him. And acknowledge the fact that He is the unique Son of God. He is the only one who has intimately known the Father. And he, only He could bring forth the revelation of the Father. And then thirdly, you must open your heart up and receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of baptism only Jesus can give. John the Baptist can give water baptism, but only Jesus can give us the spirit of baptism. Because that spirit comes in the name of Jesus. And he says, you open up your heart to me, I will come by the Holy Spirit, and I will dwell in you. I will remain on you, in you, forever. That's how we get born again. It's a spiritual thing. So you cannot get born again just by going through religious rituals and formalities. You can't get born again by operating according to the law and trying to be a good person. You only could get born again by the grace of God when you behold the Lamb, when you accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of your soul, and you open up to receive the Holy Spirit. Now who begins to work inside of you to all this spiritual regeneration inside of you that even words cannot express? These are the three conditions that's clearly laid out for us in this text. Right after the prologue, through the first witness of John the Baptist. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the testimony of John the Baptist. And the testimony of all these great individuals who will be emerging on the scene. Now we understand why they are there. Why their lives and situations are displayed in the gospel. Because they point the way to Jesus. Jesus, you are the only source of true life and true light. Unless we have you, we have no hope in this dark world. Lord, may everything point to Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you confirm that experience with Jesus in a, such a supernatural and subjective way that we don't just know God in our heads, 
We know God experientially in our souls, in the depth of our beings. So Lord, make that happen. Make that a reality for us by your Holy Spirit in some way that words cannot explain, but in some way, supernaturally and mysteriously, you would do that work within us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.